up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 79 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast, where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by the last of his line, Andy Belmont. Yeah? I like yeah. I like You're the it. only one that's scruffy enough, you know? I am scruffy. <laughs> I do have a cool whip thing. Whoa. What are you in? <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean. Did you not know about my spicy side? No. <laughs> and he's a professional dominatrix. Uh, <laughs> you should see my little corset. <laughs> the hard pass. <laughs> uh, also joining me today, the speaker's greatest magician, Mr. Sean Bartley. Interesting. Hello, hello. Yeah, I mean, you know, it feels like paladin-ish. We gotta keep it fresh. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the... Possible son of Dracula, Mr. Robert Thompson, had to leave us today. Uh, but if you want to hear a little bit from him, you can go check out our uh, Castlevania Season 2 review, which is also up today. So uh, go get your daily do- or weekly dosage, I guess I should say, of Thompson's particular brand of edgelording on that review. Um, we had a good time with it, so hopefully uh, you did too. But we've got plenty to talk about here on the Video Game Pals proper this week. Uh, way too much, in fact, that I had to kick our Red Dead topic uh, down the week, or down the week, Jesus Christ, kick it down the street another week, is what I meant to say there, uh, because there was just so much to get into this week. So, without uh, you know wasting any more time on plugs and talking about Thompson because he couldn't be bothered to show up, let's talk about what we're playing this what week. What a punk. What a punk! So, I promised you guys last week that I would have some updated takes on Red Dead Redemption 2, and boy, do I have some updated takes on Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, I have put probably, I want to say, in the neighborhood of like 15 hours into it now. Maybe Dang. closer to 20. Um, and oh, I can't get enough of this game. Like, I think all of the criticisms that we talked about last week, um, many of them are valid. But they're not they're not enough to take away from what the game does well. You know, which like this game, I think the the biggest thing for me that sets it apart is... It is. It gives me a feeling I haven't had about an open world game since Skyrim, where I remember playing Skyrim for the first time and having that feeling of, wow, this feels like a step forward because this world feels alive and lived in, and it feels like you know, the 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 randomness of everything gives it a sense that anything could happen at any time, you know, and it can, and that's. It's it's hard to to really even like I don't know it's it's almost hard to articulate like what sets it apart from other open world games with random events but it's like you know how when you're playing a video game and you run into a quote unquote random event but you still get the feeling that this is a scripted event that triggered randomly yeah right Skyrim doesn't feel that way to me and Red Dead doesn't feel that way And that is something that, you know, for all of the complaints that I think are somewhat legitimate of people saying, like, the effort to make Red Dead feel, like, more realistic works against it, that's one way where it makes the experience. And that thing is better and more well-executed than any of the flaws, you know? 
And, and that, like, definitely makes it worthwhile, in my opinion. You know, like, I, I think this is a really substantial game. And I think, like, similar to the way that I think Breath of the Wild kind of made it unacceptable for you to not let people climb in an adventure-oriented game, I think there's a lot of things that Red Dead is doing here that people are going to look at as things that you need to do moving forward if you want your game to feel alive. That's not like really... stealing trains? <laughs> you can steal trains... You can steal oh trains. Oh my god, that's the best thing I've ever heard, <laughs> dude. In uh, in go, go watch uh, the palace play that Thompson and I did last week. In the first episode, he gets on a train and and just immediately steals it and starts driving around, and the cops are chasing him on no, horses. I mean this. You can. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, you can just straight up go, like, he gets on the train, and there's a conductor, and the conductor's like, hey, passengers can't be up here, he punches them in the face and throws them off the train, and then just steals wow. it. Wow. <laughs> that is awesome, actually. I love that. Yeah, dude, and there, there's just so much, there's so much depth to the world, you know, like, you have all these, like, random character interactions when you're out on the road, and, like... You can, you have so many choices, you know, like anytime you're in, anytime you encounter a situation, you have a choice with how you move forward. And that's the biggest thing for me in video games is like giving me choices that feel meaningful. You know, like when, when I had a mission recently where it was like, okay, you gotta, these guys are, you know, you're doing work for these people where you're going to, they stole this really expensive carriage and you're going to steal it for somebody else and steal a bunch of money while you're there. Right. And it's like, okay, you show up and it's the middle of the day and it's like, do you want to go in and confront them or do you want to wait until nighttime and do it covertly? You know, and each thing that you do has ripples, you know? And like, ah, that's that's something that is, when done right, it makes all the difference in the world to me. So you were going to say something before, Sean, and then Andy uh, <laughs> jumped in with the train thing and it blew your mind. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what I was going to say, actually, because that was so cool that it just erased my my thought. <laughs> so I don't know what I was going to say. Um, I'm glad you're having a good time with it. The coolest thing I've seen from this game, having not played it, is what's what a lot of people have seen probably at this point, which is just the the one guy who posted a clip of himself accidentally punching his horse, and the horse kicks the shit out of him. That's the best thing I've seen. Dude, I had a moment the other day where I was playing and uh, I got into a conflict with a guy on the road. You know, like I was going by him and I was like, hey, what's going on, man? And because you can just say hi to people when you ride by them. And he was like, he was like, oh, fuck you. You know, basically like he was like, he's like, I know your types. Like, get the fuck away from me. And I was like, yo, dude, like chill out. Like, it's fine. And then he pulls his gun out and I was like, all right, motherfucker. And I shot him and then I looted his body. And when you kill somebody and they're on a horse, their horses have saddlebags that have stuff in them. So I go to uh, to loot his horse, and his horse is still spooked from when I shot him, and it kicks me in the fucking face and kills Whoa. me. <laughs> <laughs> Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's a really good time, man. And if you're on the fence about it, I think, you know... There's way more good than there is bad here, you know? Like, yeah, like, some of the animations for, like, skinning animals take too long. And, like, you know, like, there are parts of the game that deliberately feel slow. But, like, I think that's good. Like, it's it's a Western. It's not Grand Theft Auto. Like, it is, it, there are things that should be a little bit more, you know, like, yeah, you're riding a horse and that's slower than a car. But, like, so what? Like, there's so many good interactions in the wild 
that you want to be riding from place to place in my mind. I don't want to be fast traveling around the map. I want to go and see stuff. I want to run into people on the road and have those water cooler moments. You know, like that's what's cool about Red Dead Redemption. And that's what's cool about a good open world game. And this is a good open world game. I think it's weird to complain about a game or any piece of media uh, being you complaining about something being what it is. You know, if you if you've played Red Dead One, you probably know what you're in for, right? And if you don't, if, that, if yeah. you're not into that, you can't you can't be mad at Red Dead for not being Grand Theft Auto, right? That's silly. Yeah. I think, I think the one thing that I've seen people call out, which I understand, but it's just not a problem for me, which is that in Red Dead Redemption 1, you very much had the opportunity to choose who John Marston was. You know, is he a outlaw who's left that life behind because it wasn't feasible anymore, but he's still kind of an asshole or a scumbag? Or is he somebody who saw the error in his ways and is trying to become like a white hat? You know, and that narratively is way more interesting than Arthur as a character. I like Arthur as my guy, but he really just feels like uh, an outlaw. And when I do like nice things, sometimes it doesn't feel like it makes sense for him, you know? So like, it feels like it's definitely encouraging me to be a little bit more of an outlaw and to like experience like, or explore some of the darker sides of what you can do. But like, Grand Theft Auto does a good job of that and it's fun. And like, it's fun here too. You know, and like, I've basically been playing my character of like, anytime there's an innocent person, you know, who's like not trying to like, you know, like, like, like I had an encounter where like I ran into a woman who was on the side of the road and her horse had died and like collapsed on her and you can like help her get out and then give her a ride home if you want. And I was like, that feels like a thing that this guy would do. Right. Cause he's like a, an outlaw, but he's not like heartless, you know? But when it comes to like, oh, like, you know, I get into a conflict with somebody or something like that and they threaten me, it's like, well, kill him. You know, it's like he's 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 not a monster, but he's a killer, you know, and it's like it's kind of fun doing a little bit of that role playing and trying to decide, like, what kind of character is Arthur Morgan and like, how can I get in that space? But I also understand, like, if you're somebody who really wants to just play a good guy, I don't feel like they give you a lot of opportunities for that because there are things where you have to do them and they're scummy. And, like, I think that's okay, though. Like, it's a game about an outlaw gang. So that's one of those things where if that doesn't work for you, I get it. But I feel like that reminds me of what Sean just said of, like, that's you being mad at Red Dead 2 for what it's trying to do and what it's trying to ask you to do and say. And, you know, for me, it's working. If it doesn't work for you, that's fine. But I think on a, on a mechanical level, on a storytelling level, like across the board, I'm really invested in it right now. And it's a game I'm excited to see through to completion. Cool. Glad you're enjoying it, man. So, uh, you know, I know there was a lot of people asking for what my, my updated thoughts were. So I hope that this gives you an idea of if the game's for you or not. Um, if you guys are out there playing it and you've got thoughts on Red Dead, nobody else on the show is playing it right now. So I would love for you to write in and start a dialogue with me so that I can have somebody to have some back and forth with it. Or if you want to reach out to me on Twitter like some of you did, you can hit me up and uh, we'll, we'll talk Red Dead Redemption 2 because I'm very, very eager to... Uh, Find somebody to talk about with it. I've only got like one or two friends playing it right now, so um, come at me. I've only uh, got one, little... like one or two friends, Pete and Becky. <laughs> that's. <laughs> I mean, you guys are right here, so that and that's it. Yeah, Thompson so... abandoned you. Yeah, he left me behind, so I don't know. I guess I'm down to two friends now. <laughs> well, three if I count Marco. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, I, there was one thing I did want to just call out real quick too, which I didn't feel like was necessarily like big enough to throw it on the news items this week because there was so much. But uh, Red Dead Redemption Two has um, become entertainment's biggest opening weekend of all time and the second highest grossing entertainment launch next to Grand Theft Auto Five. So uh, I remember a couple weeks ago we talked about wondering if Red Dead was going to end up touching Grand Theft Auto Five at all. Uh, in terms of sales and stuff like that, and uh, looks like it looks like it's on the right path at least to be a fucking another juggernaut success for them. So congratulations, Rockstar. So I saw an interesting thing about that that makes a lot of sense, but also like to me makes that number a little bit less impressive. And it's like whenever is- video games come out and it's like this is the biggest opening weekend a thing has also had for all times. <clears throat> Video games are sort of unique in that they're the only things we really pre-order anymore. So this is like eight months of pre-orders mm. all smushed into that weekend. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's still it's, it's still, still an impressive, impressive number. Yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah. they had to go buy the game too, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it yeah. it is still. To, to Andy's point, it's not the same thing as like opening weekend at a movie, really, like because or something like that. But it is the thing of like. It still speaks volumes about how many people were willing to go and shell out. Actually, for yeah. you know, so. in 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 a lot of theaters in America, you do pre-order your tickets because you have to. I guess, especially if you're in a metropolitan yeah, like, area, like I know, like in the city, like you've got to do that if you want to. If I didn't do that to try to go see a movie, uh, it's opening weekend. I wouldn't see it. It wouldn't be possible. So, you know, th- th- there is some truth to that, but I think uh, I-, I think it's very impressive. Yeah, it's definitely still an achievement. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially, like, it, it's one of those things where it's, like, it feels like Rockstar is, uh, like, on that Disney game right now where it's, like, you're just competing against yourself, you know, or, like, Nintendo last year where it's, like, what's going to win the game of the year, Zelda or Mario? Good problem to have. <laughs> and they all ignored Persona 5. They sure did. <laughs> but I I think the thing that's going to be really interesting, too, is to see how, how it starts doing when uh, Red Dead Online drops as well. Because you got to imagine that's going to see those numbers bump up again. So, uh, interesting to see where it all nets out. But uh, it seems like Red Dead is off to a good start. Uh, and then, Andy, this week you played a little bit of a demo slash game slash sequel. We'll get maybe? to it later. Deltarune. But, uh, yeah. So, Toby Fox has released something that uh, connects to Undertale, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that when we get into the news, and Andy's going to offer some of his initial impressions, since he got to check the game out. Yeah. So, before that, though, I guess that means it's time for... The news! The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about the news! Is that the news bumper, or the random question bumper? <laughs> I know, they're the same. What face is that? <laughs> That's what true. are we doing? It's the news. It's the news. It's the news. <laughs> so we've got a good news list this week. Like I said, it's it's filled to the gills. So let's just get into it. Uh, kicking things off with a little bit of good news today. Wait, hold on. We have hold a follow-up. Let's let the kids off the hook. If you're only coming to this episode to hear us talk about Jason Trier's story about Crunch at Rockstar, that's next week. We did. We told them. We told them. It's coming. It's fine. They got it. Want to reiterate uh, so for anybody out there. Next week... Main topic, Maybe. Red Dead Unless Redemption 2, Rockstar, Don't make Crunch. any promises. <laughs> <laughs> you this made promises, can't promise that's things. why we're here, Pete. Yeah. 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 
All right, so kicking things off with a little bit of good news today. We have a follow-up from a story we talked about all the way back on episode 44 of the Video Game Pals, How Do We Preserve Online Games? So, the uh, Video Game Museum in Oakland, which is uh, the MAID, is what it's called. It's the uh, Museum of... It's the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, the okay. MAID, uh, released a, uh, a statement about they have won, made, have a major win in the battle to preserve online games. So uh, this is from their Twitter, and they wrote, The U.S. Copyright Office has granted our DMCA exception to allow us to preserve online games. All of that hard work has paid off. Big thanks to UC Berkeley, David Petchy, and James Clarendon, who testified on our behalf. So, if anyone has dead MMO server code out there and wants us to lock it away for a few years until it's clear to relaunch the server, or if you're ready for us to reboot it right now, let us know. Must be a legitimately acquired copy of the server code. So, I I am so happy about this news. This is a huge victory in my mind. When we talked about this as a main topic on episode 44, uh, I was a big champion for the importance of this exception because... I think video games are, you know, obviously an, a medium, an art form that we all love, uh, and it is very young, and preservation efforts for it have been very poor, except for a few people who are really, really doing a bulk of the work. And this, especially in the increasingly online digital era, this is extremely important if we don't want to forget the history of, of this medium and of this, you know, this very important and unique art form. So I am so happy to see that the maid has gotten this through and that they're going to be able to be a place where future generations can go for, you know, um, education on the history of this industry. And, you know, that it'll be a, a resource for people doing um, historical research and, you know, and that there's there's going to be an archive for this, this stuff. I look forward to taking my grandchildren to play World of Warcraft one day. How, like, that's, that's awesome. You know, like, that is really, that's a special thing. That and just, I'm, I'm so happy. So that just gave me, like, flashbacks to when my grandpa, who's always been really into trains, took me to a trains museum, and I was just like, why the fuck are we here? I, yeah, I was Just I, imagining your kids being like, ugh, grandpa, I don't care about your alliance. I, I was actually joking. <laughs> I, um, yeah. No, that's I mean, so cool. It's, it's, fine but i'm not i'm not gonna do that right because <laughs> it's gonna games are games are interesting in that i feel like I, i've never personally met a, a young person and when i was young i wasn't this person who could appreciate a game with graphics worse than the generation that i started in um and i think that that's often that's often true so i wonder how games will hold up for kids in the future like you complain all the time about how playstation games had such crappy configurations on the controllers and stuff oh that's yeah. something that um that's something that those complaints will only increase over time so i wonder how how people in the future will receive these older games well and i think that's the thing right is there's there's a difference between you know wanting to preserve stuff like that because it's good or because it is historically relevant, you know? Like, there are games that are not good games that are historically relevant, you know? Um, and I, I don't want those things lost to history. And I think 
that that you're probably right that the general gamer isn't going to care about that. But I think if you're a, a hardcore enthusiast, like a lot of people are, are interested in the history, you know, and in how we got to where we are, you know. And I think like for me, um, when I, I had a class in college that uh, Thompson and I both took, that was very much a video game history class and my professor had almost every console that we talked about in good condition brought to, brought them in let us get our hands on them and uh it was a really enriching experience for me and like am i gonna play a lot of those games in my spare time fuck no but it's it's cool to get to go and see those those things and and get a better understanding of you know what got us to where we are you know and and i think as long as you're as long as you're a passionate, as long as you're a person who's a passionate about the medium rather than just playing, I think that is the thing that you'll care about. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I don't know if people are going to be lining up to just give them source code. We'll have to see how much yeah. is left, right? That's going to be the thing. Like, I think there's probably a lot, a lot of like collectors out there, like private people who have some of this stuff. And we'll want to see it go somewhere where it won't get lost. Yeah, I I hope that it works out, especially for like the people who really want City of Heroes to come back. Yeah. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is, unless you live in Oakland, you're not going to be able to play. You'll just have to go to the museum and uh, <laughs> drop no, down I your ten bucks. The exception said they could run servers if they had the code. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it says that they can relaunch the server. I wonder if it'll be... That's interesting, actually. That's really interesting. Yeah, huh. no, they can They can run the servers. Like, they already have the museum where you can just go and play stuff. Yeah, you can play everything that's If you're in too. Oakland. But yeah, this would be like... They'd host a server um, as long as they have the, like, legitimately acquired source code, they can run a server for it. That's really exciting. Yep. Yeah, so I, mean, I think ultimately it's going to be interesting to see what the fallout from this is, how many games they're able to get legitimate source code for, uh, or a server server code for, and, um, and and when we get some of these things launching again. But uh, hopefully hopefully this is an initiative that works out. You know, I'm, I'm very happy to see this win go through, though, and I think this is something that um, the, the shadow is going to cast isn't maybe readily apparent right now, but I think future generations will look at this as an important moment in terms of, um, you know, video game historians will see in years uh, to come, like, thank God this happened when it did. So um, because this week is full of follow-ups, apparently, uh, Sony has revealed the lineup for the PlayStation Classic, and it's got some notable omissions. Uh, so I'm going to jump into it real quick. There are 20 games on the uh, the lineup and we have uh both the US and Japanese lists that are surprisingly very different. So the uh the western list, the North American list has Battle Arena Toshiden, Cool Borders 2, Destruction Derby, Final Fantasy 7, Grand Theft Auto, Intelligent Cube, Jumpin' Flash, Metal Gear Solid, Mr. Driller, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, Rayman, Resident Evil Director's Cut, Revelations Persona, Ridge Racer Type 4, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Siphon Filter, Tekken 3, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, Twisted Metal, and Wild Arms. That is a... So, pretty good list. Not a great list. But there's... I'd say it's like half good. Yeah, no, it's like... It's like... Half good. And it's like... There's a lot there's, of games that I want to see, There's no-brainers on there. Um, Rayman, Resident Evil, Metal Gear Solid, 
Twisted Metal, like Tekken. Tekken. Yeah. Ridge Racer, even. Yeah, right. But I think some of the JRPGs, right? Like, I mean, it's great that we've got Persona and, like, Wild Arms and stuff, but it's like, no Legend of Dragoon? Yeah, like, really? Um, you absolutely didn't need Persona. And I say this as a Persona fanboy. That game is weird. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just fucking, it's a lot. Um, I think the Japanese list is better. There's a, there's a no 3D platformers yeah, either. I, I understand that, like, no. you probably couldn't afford the rights to Crash right now. Or Spyro. Or Spyro, I guess. But come on. Bubsy or something. A, a Croc? I don't know. Toomba? Like, oh, Toomba's 2D. some Gex up in this shit. Gex would be good. Yeah, but I, to have none is a little it's a little crazy. And I haven't even heard of some of these games. Like, what the fuck is Mr. Driller? Uh, no. Yeah. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, a lot of these games are interesting that I, I've, ne- I've either never heard of them or never cared about them. I'd say the majority of this list makes sense. Um, I don't remember Grand Theft Auto being something that anyone cared about at that time. So I feel like, I mean, I could totally be wrong, but I feel like the inclusion is more because of what it is now rather than what it was then. I think it's probably 50-50. I think think the original Grand Theft Auto was really big with the, like, generation before us. Uh... And then Destruction Derby. I don't know if you guys ever played that, but that's a blast from the past. I no. loved that game. I played that game every single day. Um, okay. But, of course, that's just one person's experience. I don't know that that game needs to be here, uh, but I had a blast with it. I, I feel that's like cool. a lot of the things that aren't on this list are things they probably couldn't include. I also feel like it's possible yeah. like to, you know, you brought up uh, that there are no... Um, 3D platformers, I'm wondering if that's because they felt how you always feel, Pete, which is that those games aren't very good. <laughs> a lot of them have not so aged if, well, if yeah. you feel that way, it's possible they feel that way too and chose not to include them because it would represent something they don't want to showcase. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Um, it's, it's a bummer, though. There's, there's a few games I definitely would have liked to see make the cut that just I, I I'm very um, very uh, disappointed that there's no Street Fighter representation. I know that Puzzle Fighter's there. That does not count. I'm talking about a Street Fighter fighting game. Uh, Street Fighter Alpha, the Alpha series is one of the most celebrated series ever, and for that to not have received a game on this list is very interesting. Yeah, I think for me, the the biggest omission in my mind that isn't like a Crash or a Spyro game is I would have loved to see Crash Team Racing on this. Um, that's That would be a Probably big one for me. Probably the same reason though, right? Like, it's Crash, so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's like, you know, I'm sure Activision just didn't want to pony up for, you know, or I guess I should say Sony didn't want to pony up to Activision for that. But uh, it, it's, it's disappointing, I think. Like, this list is fine. But it certainly doesn't motivate me to want to get one. And I think my willingness to buy one is going to be totally now based on how does it look when people get their hands on it? Like, is it something that you can easily hack and load on other games? Because if I can load on other Sony ROMs, I'll just buy it and put every PlayStation 1 game on it and call it a day. You know? But if I can't do that, I don't see myself picking this up. I have a question for you guys. Uh, 
do you think that these these mini consoles or, or classic consoles or whatever should be trying to represent the best of that console of that console or the the or like the best of that console for its time or the best of that console in retrospect? Because I think those are two different things. Mm. Honestly, you know what, Sean? I think that's a really great random question of the week. God damn it, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> you set him up. I they knocked it to. down. Um, so I'll jump in on this one first. I think it's like it's a balancing act, and ideally they should try and be representing both. Um and I don't know if honestly I don't know if the the PS1 is representing either. Because it's like, I think, honestly, the Grand Theft Auto game and the Persona game that are on here aren't there because they're good games. They're there because the series are popular now. And, like, that's something I don't think it should be doing. You know? Yeah, I don't I don't think the original Persona was a big deal at the time. You know? So it feels like a weird inclusion. Like, I, I would push back on the Grand Theft Auto thing because, again, I think it was just before our time. I know when I was a kid, there were a lot of, like, teenagers that I knew that were into Grand Theft Auto, you know, before GTA 3. So, and that could be anecdotal, but it's definitely a game I've heard a lot of, like, games personalities who are, like, in their 30s talk about, like, oh, yeah, that was the thing we used to play in the summer all the time and whatever. And so I I think that one, maybe not so much, but I, I feel like definitely with Persona. That, like, until, what, Persona 3? Like, Persona was super yeah. niche. I mean, Persona... Even among JRPGs. Persona was and is, like, way bigger in Japan. Uh, true. Yeah, that's but true. But, like, yeah, to release it in the West is only because, like, they already bought the rights for it and Persona 5 was popular. Yeah. Um, I, I feel, to me personally, I think that uh, these classic consoles should be representing the best of what that console had to offer the way people thought about it at the time. Because this is really for... This is for nostalgia purposes. And so wh- I don't really care if, like, let's say, you know, Crash, the original Crash, maybe people feel like it's it doesn't play great. I don't care. It's Crash. And I have a connection to that game that runs deeper than whether or not it's it's it holds up to my 28 year old 2018 standards it's really about how i felt about it then and i want these consoles to represent that more than i care about them including you know uh, grand theft auto which no one i mean come on who's buying this for that um or 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 whatever like i want to have i want to recapture those experiences that i had and the only way you can do that is if you represent the console as it really was yeah i agree i i think these things should be the entire purpose of them is to just be a nostalgia trip you know and that's what they should be and i think that's that's got to be done by representing what were the most popular games on the console i don't think that it's it's out of place though to if a game if you missed a game because it wasn't very big or wasn't well marketed but then like you know 15 20 years after the fact everybody talks about like fuck man you know this was the best game on the playstation like i don't think it's out of place to include games like that yeah that's fair are there any games here that you feel meet that 
meet that uh, target. The only one I am like genuinely shocked and kind of annoyed by is that Legend of Dragoon is not on this. Uh, that one doesn't make sense too because it was Sony, was Sony published. published. It's, it's like, like what are you it was big? It's like what are you doing? That's one of the best RPGs on the console. Yeah, and like, would I have preferred to see Final Fantasy Tactics to Final Fantasy Seven? Yes. Does it matter? No. Yep. I also would have preferred Final Fantasy Nine, but yeah. was that ever going to happen? No. Are no. were all of these games PSX hits? You remember how they used to have that tag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Many Legend of them. I don't. I nine was. was Legend of Dragoon was, and we mentioned Gex earlier. Gex I'm, two I'm sorry, was. I meant the games that are on the list. Oh, probably. Mr. I'd feel like Mr. most Driller of them are. Does not ring a bell. I've never Television fucking heard of Mr. Driller. Mr. Driller ever. from a quick Google is started as Dig Dug Three and grew into its own. Not. Oh, you know what? I do remember this guy. I do remember this guy. But you know what my thing is, man? It's like I, I think it's it's just bullshit because like the thing that upsets me is there are so many Sony games that are not on this list, right? Like we already talked about Crash and Spyro. Fine, I get it. But like, where's Medieval? And like, I get it. There's a remaster coming, but that's one of the games I associate with the PlayStation. That should be on this list. Legend of Dragoon. That should be on this list. Uh, um, I just had another one in my head. Uh, Parappa the Rapper. Uh, yeah, Parappa. Right. Is an yeah. There's there's a remaster of it, but I don't care. Like this isn't for that same audience, and it shouldn't be. Like Nintendo didn't not put games on the NES and SNES classics because they were available somewhere else. You know, like if I'm buying this to get the nostalgia trip, you've got to have the things that pe- like when I think PlayStation One, those are the titles I think of. You know, and like a lot of these games wouldn't make that. It's also, for no me. Mega Man representation at all, which is crazy to me. Mega Man Eight, no Mega Man X. Yeah, like yeah. that was a big game. You know, like X X would be, but I guess X, X is on the four, Super Nintendo, five, so maybe that's were all on the PlayStation. Like that would have been cool. Yeah, honestly, I think it's a. It might just be a matter of like that just got the remaster platform, and Capcom didn't want to give up the rights. Yeah, the remaster, right. like, yeah. Bundle. It's like wait, you know, it's like nobody was asking for this right now. Like you announced it. What? Wait until you get your ducks in a row and you get the rights to games that I actually want. And like maybe that's. Maybe that's bratty, right? Like, maybe we're just complaining about something that, like, was never going to be what we wanted it to be. But it just, I don't know. It's just, like, this is something that I'm such a PlayStation mark. I want to want this, and I don't. It's fine for me if they don't include all of my favorites and all the darlings. I'm, you know, it's whatever. Uh, But I, I guess it's just one of those things where it's like, all right. It doesn't need to be my darlings, but I just don't feel like this represents the PlayStation. Fuck, man. Where's where's Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2? Right. There's no way. Like, we'll never get remasters of those games because the soundtrack is such a big part of it and nobody's going to shell out the money. You know? Sucks. But it's like, how much, how much does it cost to get a bunch of rights to fucking pop punk songs that were popular 30 years ago? You know? Like, come on. Fucking do it. So there's also, like I said, there's the Japanese lineup, which is way different. It's got a way bigger focus on, like, RPGs and side-scrollers. Um, so I'll just give you some of the highlights here that aren't on the other list. We've got Ark the Lad 1 and 2, Armored Core, uh, Devil Dice, 
G. Darius, Gradius Gaiden, um, Jumpin' Flash, Parasite Eve, uh, Ridge Racer Type 4, which is, I think, the same game, but maybe not. The title's different, so who knows. Uh, Saga Frontier, and uh, that's it. So, definitely a lot of other... There's game, like I'm kind of surprised Ark the Lad isn't on the Western one, yeah. and like, I don't know. It's weird. Like, that was a big game. Armored Core has relevant, had relevance at that time. Like, I don't know. It, it's weird. It's weird. I think the Japanese list is a little better. I yeah, say. Um, if I was buying one, it would be with the Japanese list. But, alas, I'm probably not going to buy one either way. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. So, it's a bummer, but hopefully the hacking community will provide us with a solution to get all the games on the platform. And uh, then it's a thing I'll pick up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we teased at the top that our Castlevania review is now live on all of our platforms so you should go check that out but it seems like this series executive producer Adi Shankar may be uh, teaming up with Netflix again for an animated series based on the Legend of Zelda that could be fun it sure could uh, so so here's the rap has an exclusive story and uh, here's, here's what they had to say uh, oh and I'll give the this comes from Beatrice Werhoven so Beatrice writes, producer Adi Shankar is in talks to produce a series on the long-running The Legend of Zelda video game franchise The Rap has learned exclusively. On Monday, Shankar pa- uh, posted on Instagram that he was, quote, working with an iconic Japanese gaming company to adapt one of their iconic video game series into a series. Iconic and series are used a lot in that sentence. But uh, here's, here's the picture he posted. He said, I can confirm... That, I'm, uh, that, that first part, actually, I just read. And then he says, on November 16th at 1 p.m., I'm going to announce what it is. I love you all. Thank you for following me on this journey. Entertaining you guys continues to be a privilege. So this is... And he says, the success of Castlevania pr- uh, created this opportunity. That was the caption to the image that he posted. So this is super interesting. Um, I, I am definitely down for this. I really like the stuff that Eddie's be uh, Addie's been involved in. Obviously, um, you know I think well you can go listen to our Castlevania review for our thoughts on Castlevania. But aside from Castlevania, which has been I would say you know at the very least mostly a success, yeah. right? Despite some of the, the flaws that were present in season two, uh, it's it's been a, a a good ride. And I think his bootleg universe stuff has always been really really cool. If you guys have ever seen his Power Slash Rangers thing he did a couple years ago that went viral, he had a Venom fan movie like that. Like, he's done a bunch of stuff like that, and the guy is clearly a passionate fan. You know, he's he's one of us, and he cares about getting those little details, right, that Thompson was geeking out about in our review and, and those sorts of things. And with The Legend of Zelda, I think that's really all you need. You need somebody that cares about what makes Zelda special but isn't going to be precious about it and is willing to actually tell us a story. And I, I, hopefully he's the guy to put together the team to do it. Because I think he's done a good job of that in the past. Yeah. I, like, given how Castlevania made me want it to be something I liked, despite the fact that I do not care about Castlevania as a franchise at all, like, I'm excited to see... Or, like, edgy stuff. he does something with Zelda, like, a property that I care about. I think this... This is an interesting one because uh, I don't know. I don't know if this makes sense. I mean, it's. I would love to see some live action Zelda stuff, but it's gonna need to be 
probably quite different from the games. And since there isn't yeah. really a story, I mean, well, I guess it depends on what. Obviously, there are game, there are Zelda games with plenty of story, but it depends on what you're what you're adapting from. I think what you're saying is valid, though, right? Like, there's lore to Zelda, but there's not like a lot of story, yeah. right? Like, if you ask me, like, what's Link's personality? Right. He's gonna have He's to the strong silent type, yeah. <laughs> Slash, maybe an idiot. They're, they're gonna have to do a lot of crafting of the characters in order to make this a fully realized story, and I don't know that I want that. So we'll see. It could. I mean, it could be good. Could be good. Yeah, and I think that's the takeaway is, like, I think you're right, Sean. I think adapting Nintendo's properties is challenging because of the way that they approach story. But I think if they were going to do a Legend of Zelda series, this is how I want it. I want it to be animated, and this guy seems like the dude to do it and get it right, yeah. if it's possible. So I, I'm i looking forward to it. I all the, all the luck in the world, man. Yeah. So moving right along, we got uh, one of the most exciting stories this week, which was – we teased at the top, which was Toby Fox, the creator of Undertale, has Beyonce-style shadow-dropped a demo-slash-first-chapter of his new game, which may or may not be in the Undertale universe, uh, called Deltarune. So um, Jason, what an actual video games journalist looks like, Schreier – has a little uh, article, which I, I just want to read the title of this one because I think it very much sums up what the fuck happened here. Undertale creator releases new game, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna read from Jason's article a little bit, and then we will uh, we'll let Andy offer some of his initial impressions. So Jason writes. Is Deltarune a prequel to Undertale? A sequel? A prototype demo to garner feedback for the sequel? We won't know until we play through the whole thing, but the new game from Undertale designer Toby Fox promises to be just as bizarre and trippy as the last one. Plus, it's an anagram. <laughs> After teasing a new project yesterday, Toby Fox today released Deltarune, which was on Halloween, which is badass. Uh, you can get for free and play on either PC or Mac. It's a new game that seems like a teaser or a prototype for whatever Fox's next thing turns out to be. Uh, and this is from Toby's Twitter. For those who completed Undertale, it's really important that you check at Undertale 24 hours from now. He wrote on Twitter yesterday. I want to make something new, and it all begins with your feedback. A Windows slash P a Windows PC slash Max OS X PC is needed. Since then, the Undertale Twitter has been full of cryptic messages, uh, bring on the gaster theories, uh, that culminated today in a link to Deltarune's website. If you downloaded the game on PC, you'll probably get a warning message, so here's some helpful advice click run anyway that was the joke toby fox was like hey guys just click run anyway it'll be fine <laughs> uh and then you know jason promises they'll have more information as they get to play it but whatever you know it don't expect it to be straightforward so andy yes uh you have got a chance to play a little bit of the game i know you didn't get to finish it yet yes i haven't got a chance to boot it up so try not to spoil it but what are your thoughts on delta Rune okay, so my far? thoughts on delta Rune so far is um <laughs> On a, like, on an artistic level of, like, just the writing and the music, um, it's, like, it's solid. It's If you liked Undertale's writing and music, you're going to like what Toby Fox is doing here. Um, it's got a lot of interesting takes on Undertale. The battle system in particular is changed up in a very cool way that I won't spoil because it's, like, cool when you get to play with it. Um, 
I'm trying to talk as much as I can while spoiling as little as I have to. <laughs> uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's definitely it's got some great tweaks on the Undertale formula. I know you call that the, that the uh, the music is really really excellent again. The music. Which, not the music is, I, I think, best sum, summed up with a, a chef kissing his hands. You know. Yeah, I buy that. Toby Fox is a brilliant yeah. composer. It's great. Um, it's great. The characters are all good. Um, you'll have a lot of fun with it if you like Undertale. Awesome. And based on your th- impressions of it right now, do you think it's a prequel or a sequel to Undertale? Does it seem like it's set in the same universe? I think it's both. Okay. That's really interesting. That's that's very Although he did have that twit longer where he was like, this is its own thing. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. So uh, after the game was released and people started talking about it, uh, this this was a, f- a few days. Um, so he actually, he wrote this. He, he released this right after the game was put publicly, but it's something that he wrote up on October 4th. So it's called, Here are my thoughts on Chapter 1 of Deltarune. This should answer some questions. It's October 4th. The demo, and then he puts in parenthetical, first chapter of my game is supposed to come out on Halloween. Actually, it was done a little while ago, but I'm waiting for the translation to be finished. I feel like I should address what I think people will think before the game comes out. Of course, if I'm all wrong about all this, then I just wasted my time. But questions I predict people will have. Number one, is this a sequel? What's going on? I'm scared. Please don't worry too much about that. Actually, I'm worried if people worry too much about what it is, they might not be able to properly enjoy it. Laugh. I will say that basically what you are seeing here is not the world of Undertale. Undertale's world and ending are the same as however you left them. If everyone was happy in your ending, the people in Undertale world will still be happy. So please don't worry about those characters and that world. It will remain untouched. To rephrase that, Deltarune's world is a different one with different characters that have lived different lives. A whole new story will happen. I don't know what you call this kind of game. It's just a game that you play after you complete Undertale if you want to. That's all. Okay. What a what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> so this is long. Uh, there's a lot of lot of stuff here. Um, I don't want to read through the entire thing. We will be linking down to the bottom, but uh, I think there are a couple things I did want to just call out because they're pretty interesting. He says, like, when will the next uh, chapter come out? He says, this is a difficult question. When I made the demo of Undertale, I made it to prove to myself that it was possible to make a whole game alone with some help with the art. Because I was able to make it in a few months, I felt that I had proved it was possible. However, making the demo of Deltarune took a few years. So given the length of the rest of the game and how long I'd be willing to spend on a project, seven years maximum, I think the answer is that it's actually impossible to make this game. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of things make this game harder to make than last time. Uh, The graphics are much more complicated and don't play to my strengths. Black and white battle graphics were easy. The battle system is much more complicated due to multiple characters. I'll write about this later. The overworld and other sections are more complicated due to multiple characters. Having multiple main characters is much harder to write, especially introducing everyone properly in Chapter 1. The entire town had to be created correctly on the first try to set up properly for the rest of the game. And further things outside of those. Trouble starting tasks slash concentrating and general difficulty paying attention. Traveling slash other responsibilities like translation and ports, self-doubt, burnout regarding the creation of the game. Essentially, it's not possible to make this game as one person and Temi. 
However, it might be possible to create the game if I'm able to make a team. So I'm going to try making a team because I really want to make this, but I may not be able to succeed because I have no experience successfully directing a team and I have no idea who I'm going to work with. Since I haven't started assembling the team yet, I have absolutely no estimation of its complete completion. It could take up to 999 years depending on the efficiency level. By the way, I currently plan to release all of the chapters at once after we complete them. I'm not sure how long that will take. You'll buy all of the chapters at once as one purchase. That'll be the only option. I'm not doing pre-orders because I don't like those. It just seems like the best way to not burn anybody. Price is unknown. It depends on how long the game is and how much it costs to make. I don't know anything about consoles, etc. It'll come out for because by the time it comes out, we might be on PlayStation 14 or something. So in short, I have no idea. Wow. Yeah, that feels about right. <laughs> That's Toby Fox. So, like I said, there's a lot more here. He answers questions about uh, bugs, the battle system, multiple endings, uh, which he says there will not be any. No matter what, it will be the same. So, it's going to be interesting. There, there, there's a lot here. Uh, if you're an Undertale fan, you're going to want to go and read through this twit longer. It's it's not super long, but like you know, we've hit a lot of the main points in terms of facilitating this conversation. So... This is exciting, despite the fact that it's so ambiguous, because, you know, Andy and I have talked about it a lot on this show. We love Undertale. We're big fans of it. And our our question or our hope was always, do you think Toby will ever even make another game? So for me, if it takes him 10 years, if it takes him 1,000 years, as long as I get to play another game by Toby Fox, and if it's as good as Undertale, I'll wait as long as yep. I need to. Yeah, I like, this guy probably never has to work again if he doesn't want to so the fact that he wants to is cool yeah and the fact that he's gonna take his time and explore putting together a team and all those things like that's really exciting to me because if he gets a team together that he really likes and this game comes out in a more timely fashion than expected and he has a team then and then he can move forward making new games the possibilities of what he can achieve are really you know only the limits of his imagination which if you've played Undertale, you know are pretty wide-reaching. So I, at the end of the day, I'm just glad to see Toby Fox making more art. He is, he's made one thing ever, and I'd still say he's one of my favorite creators. So any anything else I can get from him is a treat. So I can't wait to get my hands on Deltarune. Andy and I will be back next week with our full impressions on uh, the game. I uh, might not so be. I I have God a damn it, Andy! Week. It's four hours. <laughs> <laughs> We will be back as soon as possible with our full thoughts on Deltarune. <laughs> uh, so moving right along, here we go. This one's for my boy Shawnee. We got a Smash Bros. Direct. Yes, we did. And there was there was some stuff to yeah, talk like about. Yeah, like there's so, different brightness sliders for dock mode and handheld mode. And a help menu. <laughs> so... Let's start there. This Direct had some great announcements. Uh, its pacing was a little off. I don't understand why Sakurai feels the need to pull us through menus and, and show us sliders and stuff, but he sure does. But uh, overall, what did you guys think about the presentation? The presentation? Uh, I mean, I yeah. I had no issues with it at all. There were, there were a couple points where I did kind of uh, skip over stuff, but it was not because the presentation was poor. It was just because it was information that's, like, pretty pedestrian. Like, oh, there's a help menu in this game. Um, oh, you can... It's like, yes, yeah. I've played video so, games before. And that's that's Nintendo stuff. You know, they, they very much want to make sure that the casual fan uh, 
uh, knows everything possible um, and gets as much hand-holding as possible. And, uh, okay, fine. Um, I don't know how deep you want to go, though. Yeah. um, I'll jump in. As deep as you want. Yeah, go ahead. I think it was 25 minutes of relevant information stretched to fill 40, and that's fine. But, like, I definitely didn't need menus and stuff. Yeah, that stuff I all could have... That, that to me, felt like good treehouse material. Like, stuff they could have just talked about in the treehouse presentation after the direct, and then I read it in an IGN article or something. You know? But that's fine. It wasn't wasn't enough for me to be, like, upset with it, but there were parts of the presentation where I was definitely, like, getting a little glazed Mm -hmm. over. You know? Like, especially when it was like, hey... Here's like the fifth example that we're going to show you for how this thing works. It's like, I, I get it. I get it. Let's move on to the next thing. And I think it wasn't helped by the fact that they did the two character reveals right at the beginning. And I was like, oh, I'm so hype. And then it's just like, menus. <laughs> <laughs> but all said, I think this is a good direct. There's a lot of good information here. And uh, I'm particularly interested to hear what you think, Sean, about uh, the addition of our three new fighters. We got Ken from Street Fighter, Incineroar from Pokemon Sun and Moon, and motherfucking Piranha Plant. Because Sakurai is a fucking angel. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, so we had that we had that uh, that that spoiler reveal uh, last week that we talked about that was not accurate, obviously. I mean it got got Except for Ken. Got Ken, Ken was right, <laughs> but I don't I think you could have you could have flipped the coin on that one. Like that that wasn't that's not oh, yeah. far fetched at all. Um and I gotta say, you know, just real quick, on the subject of Echo Fighters, I don't see how you can classify Ken as an Echo Fighter of Rayu. Because it, in in Street Fighter games they're different. In this game, they're very different. The, the they share a Hadouken. And some of their moves look similar, but they do very different things. Ken's kicks are very dynamic um, compared to Ryu's. I, f- I feel like um, Echo Fighter doesn't necessarily apply to them. If it doesn't like if it doesn't apply to Marth and Roy anymore, I don't see how Ryu and Ken are Echo Fighters of each other in this game. Uh, that being said, Ryu looks better here than he does in Street Fighter V, which is insane. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, you mean Ken. Ken? Or yeah, yeah. I want to just make uh, sure <laughs> he looks better here than he does in Street Fighter Five, which is weird. Uh, they got him pitch perfect visually, and then his ultimate or his, his smash attack being the the upward winding, spinning, flaming uh, Shoryuken was perfect, uh, and they pulled that from Marvel. Yeah. So um, really, really cool addition. Felt right. Um, and then Incineroar, I mean, at first I was like, ah, what is this? But uh, the fact that he's literally a wrestler is, yeah. I love it. It's so fantastic. fucking funny. To be honest, I would rather it be Machamp, but I understand why it's not. I get it. They want to introduce other yeah, other generations, you know, and stuff like that. So that's fine. Incineroar visually is cool, and his move set is actually really interesting. So I can't wait to pick him up. He's probably going to be one of my mains. Just off looking at him, dude. Like I just love, I love that like most of his moves are not Pokemon attacks. Like he has Cross Chop and like the Dark Lariat or whatever. But like everything, like he just like suplexes a guy. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it. That's what it is, right? Where you do the back and you like smash the, him the over your head. Suplex. That's a suplex, right? 
Okay, okay, yeah. And, like, he's got the thing where he can, like, call the ropes up yep. and bounce people off. It's, like, so hilarious. Or that he does the pose after every attack. Like, I love it. He's just, like, fucking Ric and Flair. And actually, that has <laughs> hidden, um, hidden value in a competitive match. Because they said that you can cancel your pose at any time. So, what that means is you could actually confuse people with how long you actually want to hold your pose. So you could be holding your pose and someone comes to attack you thinking that you're just posing and you can actually jump out of it, cancel out of it, and hit them. Um, yeah. Oh, wow, that so is cool, yeah. Even though it looks silly, it's actually pretty... That's pretty cool. Um, and then Piranha Plant, uh, not not going to be in the game at launch. Uh, still a really cool addition. Very, very unique. Um, I love it. I, I So many people were upset about it. Like, because they're like, oh, there's enough Mario representation, and we want Waluigi, but it's like, screw you guys. Like, this is so cool. This is, like, this is the shit I live for. The characters that you could have never predicted in your wildest dreams, you know? words, when Piranha Plant launches, it's going to be meta-wrecking. You think so? Dude, I, I think so. so. I think that's exactly the kind of shit that Smash would pull. And, like, they've, they've already shown that they get the balance very off on DLC releases um, when they're not developing in concert with the rest of the game to release with the rest of the game. Um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes because in the multiplayer section, they made it a point to be like, oh, we're watching the competitive community closely and we're going to be like adjusting things. Like I wonder if they're actually going to like do nerfs and, and, and patches and stuff like that based on that, like, top tier of players that they were talking about. I'm sure about. I will, because um, that's been one of the biggest points of feedback for Smash, is that they don't do enough to support the competitive scene um, when it comes to that. Yeah. I mean, by the time they stopped really supporting the game and Bayonetta was just running rampant, there was no, there was no recourse because Nintendo stopped supporting the game. So... Uh, at this year's Evo, people walked out when it was a Bayonetta versus Bayonetta final because it was like sickening to those individuals. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to let that happen again. Uh, I, I really love all of the online changes that they made. Um, I think allowing there to be a more competitive element to online, but of course not making that the center of the of the thing is perfectly fine i i've never wanted nor needed uh the online features of this game to be competitive only and uh just the fact that there's support for both ends is perfect for me um and it's deeper than it was last year so i'm I'm, yeah that's what i like about it is like instead of say that's the only thing i came into this direct Caring about what characters they show, but it doesn't really matter at this point. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the roster. Um, but that was the main thing, was what are they going to do with the online? And now that I know that it's going to be exactly what I wanted, I am sold. Yeah, I, I really like that that they were like, you know, we don't need the For Honor, for, or yeah. what was it? For, for Glory or for, for Fun or For Honor, for, for, for Glory. For Honor, for Glory. And For Honor is a different okay. game. That's an Ubisoft game. Um, I I like that a lot because I think it's really cool that you can just basically put specifically what you want, you know, and try to just get into the it. The one thing that they said that 
uh, I was confused by, and I don't know if that's because I misheard or it wasn't clear, but uh, they said that you can set your preferences as far as like what settings you want to play under, and when it matches you with a player, it'll choose between one of you uh, what settings to go with, and that it will prefer to match you with people who have similar settings to yours. Uh, I don't. Yes. I hope that the the opportunities for you to get matched with people who don't have similar settings to yours will be very minimal. Because yeah, they made it go ahead sound like it was going to be like ping based, and then look at your settings. So you'd only get matched with somebody with different settings if like they were the only option that's not at garbage ping. Right. Yeah, and I guess that's better than not getting a match. I just, you know, I don't want to play with items, and I would also hate to... I would, If I were a casual player, I would be annoyed if I came across someone who wanted to play super competitive, and I just want to pick Jigglypuff, you know? Um, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that actually works, but I, I think it sounds like what Andy yeah. said was... Right, that was my interpretation of it as well. That it's going to prioritize having you fight somebody with the exact same picks at a good ping, unless you're sitting there in a waiting room for three minutes, you know, which I think is all right. Like, I would rather them, like, especially if it's like a thing you can opt in. Like, if they're like, hey, it's taking longer than normal to match you with someone, do you mind if we widen out the search parameters? Like, that would be cool, you know, because I would, I don't mind having to play a round of competitive if it means I'm going to sit there for five minutes waiting for somebody who wants to do an all-Pokeball battle. You know, it's like something like that. You know, it, it seems like a good compromise, but I think your concerns, Sean, are, are things that we're... It's really just going to have to wait and see what and it looks like in practice. Play, you know? I'm, I... Right, yeah. What do the servers look like? Uh, the one... The biggest takeaway, though, that I had that actually has nothing to do with competition at all is that they put every ounce of effort into making this the biggest and best Smash game ever. Uh, there's no, I can't even think of a thing that this game doesn't have that it should have. Because every, every option is available. The new spirit system is very cool um, and different and just so unexpected. Yeah, Let's yeah. talk about the spirit system. I'm interested in, in discussing that a little bit. Um, so you you said you're very interested in that. What, what, what's your what's your reaction oh, I, to that? I think it's brilliant. I think it's fantastic because it it increases the replay value and custom customize customability of the game. You can do so many different things. You can have so many different kinds of battles. Um, the limitations I think about older Smash Brothers games were like, you could have a battle where, like, you started with uh, the flower on your head and you took damage. Um, but it was very, like, pedestrian. Okay, you could do that, but that's all. This is, like, you can customize your battle to include so many different elements because of how the spirits interact um, and how many spirits you can have and how that can affect your match. I think that's so cool. Now, mind you, I'm not doing any of that. I will never interact with that, most likely. But I love the fact that it's there. Because there are people who want to have the wackiest match imaginable. And now, the spirits allow you to do that in ways you never, ever, ever could before. That will probably be the quickest way to unlock the giant roster, personally. I That's my prediction. Yeah, playing through spirits yeah. mode. 
Like, same way that Subspace Emissary was infinitely faster than, like, any other way to unlock the characters in Brawl. Oh, oh, you guys are talking about the actual mode where, yeah, like, yeah. Kirby, the, the story mode? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking... No, 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 no. He was, he was saying he thinks that in Spirits mode you'll be able to... Because uh, there's all the, like, multi-battles yeah, and stuff. I think that, like, Spirits mode and the, like, Spirits... Oh, are you talking about, like, the stickers? I was talking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I Wait, mean, okay. They used one name to describe, like, six things. Yeah. So it's yeah. Nintendo's fault we're confused. <laughs> okay, so you were talking I about the story mode, I was talking about story about mode, the Okay, from here on, spirits mode we're going to talk about with the sticker stuff. Story mode is just the, you know, the ah, narrative Nintendo. stuff that we saw at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, we had to get that cleared out yeah. to move forward. <laughs> so, yeah, for me with the spirits mode, I... So, I like the the gameplay angle of the spirits mode. Like when they were talking about all the different weird custom battles of like, oh, if you're going to fight the Koopa kids, you're going to fight Iggy and like three tiny Bowsers. Like that's fun. It reminds me a lot of, um, was yeah, it all-star yeah. mode? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of all-star mode and that's super cool. But in terms of the spirits themselves, I'm super not into it because of what you said, Sean. I'm just like, I'm never going to interact with that system. And like, if people are super into it and they like it, that's cool. There's more than enough content here. That's for me. And I'm not going to, like, begrudge it. But I don't know. Like, I I don't really like stats in fighting games. Like, this, I wa- this is a game where I want everyone to be at their base level and on the even playing field. And, like, I don't want, like, to have this weird, like, interactive sticker book with stats. Like, that's not appealing to me at all. Um, and I think the thing that I'm more upset about is I really like the trophies. And this is replacing those. And, it, and, like, I understand why they don't want to spend development resources to make models for characters that are never going to move so they can sit in a gallery. But I I personally like that more, and I'm upset that this is taking its place. So uh, when you say that, I think about games like, uh, te- I believe it's Tekken 4. And in Tekken 4, you can, you can, cre- you don't have to create a character. It could be a... The character from the game and you go through this whole like it's not it's it, it simulates online play simulates you playing against real players but they're actually the computer but their difficulty changes the things that they focus on doing change and stuff like that's that. cool yeah, yeah and you can like buff up your character to go against them and stuff like that and i was playing that game when i was like 14 years old <clears throat> and that was the best thing ever uh, you can do a similar thing in Capcom versus SNK. There are certain games where you can do that, where it's super fun. I have grown up to be a person who wants to play very competitively, and so those things don't appeal to me anymore. But when I was 14, that was awesome. And so I'm thinking about sure. this mode in terms of younger people who have a lot of time to go through it and upgrade their characters and boost them up and then meet up on their switches and play together and all that stuff. And I just think that for those people, this is the kind of thing that's going to make this a game that we can play for five years and not think about when's the next Smash. Because they're, they're, they're bringing in yeah. that longevity. And like I said, it's not for me. But I just that's love true. it for Smash. Yeah, and I think I'm not I'm not excited about it, but I don't, I'm not upset about it either. Yeah. You know? 
Um, except I, I will miss those trophies. I did like that quite a bit. That was always a feature of these games since Melee that I really appreciated. So I'm a, a little sad to see that go. But, you know, sometimes old things need to break away for new things. Um, so we also got some information about assist trophies. There's going to be 59 of them, which is nuts. Uh, there's more assist trophies than Pokemon. Does that hurt your heart? So there's some pretty... No, no, it's all right. It's cool. There, there's there's some good ones here. We got uh, Springman, which I'm bummed about. I wanted him to be a playable character, but oh, yeah, we'll get Ribbon Girl. Shoe in for DLC. I did too. Um, so maybe maybe Ribbon Girl has yeah, to be the a one. But like, now. I thought the Wily. But that's happened before. There have been me costumes that have become fighters in the past, like Bayonetta. So, who's to say? But uh, I, I think I think the call out, like the standout one for me, was the flies and hand oh from God. Mario Paint. That was so funny! So funny! So funny! I love it. And uh, you know, because this is a game made by Sakurai, they snuck in like six more Fire Emblem characters. So Andy will be happy about that, I guess. Or not? Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot up, that. We're, we're... <laughs> are, are we on video for this one? No. No. Not okay. this one. I thought we would be, so my visual bit didn't play. Yeah, I loved it. Fucking <laughs> um, Black Knight, awesome. Tiki showed up turning into a dragon and just melting faces. That's like the Charizard awesome. Pokeball from the first one, but good. Yeah. It's a real shame that uh, so nobody then... uses items. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know, I like them. I like that they exist. Uh-huh. But then we also got the uh, the confirmation that there will be paid DLC for Smash, and that right now there's plans for five characters, or five packs, which will include a character, a stage, and music. Each one's supposed to be uh, $5.99. Uh, but I thought it was interesting because it made it seem like this might not be the only pack. Like, it seems like they have plans for five right now, but when they said, why close the door when we can add even more? I was like, that's feels like it's open you know that feels like there's the opportunity to maybe uh see another pack come in the future but what do you guys think about this are you excited is, is five a good number for you uh it's gonna give the game uh increased content for at least one year which i think yeah at least yeah, through 2019 I think that's a good amount of time for uh you to increase the amount of characters and, and stages and stuff like that um of course, I would love to see them do it, you know, until the next Smash, but I understand that that's not realistic, so if they stopped at these five, I'd be fine. Uh, I definitely no longer have any kind of feelings about them not giving me enough. I feel like they've given me so much, and as a fan, at this point, I'm just gracious. If there was if there was no DLC, I'd be accepting of that. Yeah, um, what Sean said. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think that... It's like seven after the DLCs. It'll be like seventy characters, and then the Echo Fighters on top of that, right? It's it's seventy five with Piranha Plant. So, oh no, 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 no! It'll what it I'm might be seventy five. The roster's friggin' sorry, huge. <laughs> and I don't know how I could possibly complain about not having enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to see them do seasonal packs like this, though. If they did one every year, like you said, Sean, even if it was just for like two or three years, I'd be down. I'd buy them. Yeah. Uh, so that actually takes us to a little bit of reader mail oh, shit. this week. 
Yeah, save it till the end for you. So this comes from our very own editor, Mr. Philip Get Casey, out of here, Phil. who writes in and says, Hello, nerds. It's your favorite video games expert, Phil, here, coming in for what is a burning question. Wait, what? He can't even write. He calls himself a video games expert. Phil here, coming in what a burning question that all of our listeners are dying to know the answer to. Good job, Phil. Uh, so, random question number two! What newcomers in Smash are you most excited about trying out? Piranha Plant, Piranha Plant, Piranha Plant, Piranha and Plant, Piranha Plant, because Piranha Plant. Good answer. <laughs> and Sean, I think, I think you may have answered this one indirectly before, but is Incineroar your pick for the new character you're most excited uh, for? I don't, I don't know about that. I'm staring at this list right now. And there are some characters that I am really excited about. And I think my number one uh, new character is probably going to be Ridley. Because I've been wanting Ridley Hmm. since Brawl. And I'm so happy that he's finally here. So I think it's always a big moment for me. Like the first character that I pick in the new Smash. Last time it was Mega Man. I think this time it'll be Ridley. Cool. I think I think for me it's probably the Squid Kids. Oh, yeah. I really Being like a squid and a kid. I really like Splatoon and I like lighter characters generally. Like I usually like it's, like Link is the heaviest character that I like to play. Like most of the characters I, I enjoy are floatier and like a little more speed oriented and that seems like they're kind of bag. So I feel like that's going to play right into my play style pretty well. Sure. Uh, and, and then he had a follow-up question where he said, uh, additionally, what older characters are you excited to try in order to see if they've changed anything mechanically or moveset-wise? For me, that answer is Kirby and uh, the three versions of Link. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we needed was a third Link. Hey, uh, um, go ahead, Andy. I am really excited to pick Snake back up. I played him a lot in Brawl, and... If he's significantly changed, I'm going to be very sad. Yeah, Snake was so good, man. Um, Snake was a lot of fun. Yeah. Andy was brutal with him, too. Like, the mortar, like, he was so fucking good with that shit. Hopefully I get the opportunity to experience that firsthand. Uh, Probably probably, uh, Mega Man or Lucas. Um one of those two, or or Pokemon Trainer. Those are typically my three, so I, I'm very eager to see uh, how they differ from their past iterations. Yeah. Cool. Um, so then he said, we all know this episode is smush-centric. He said smush twice for Smash. I guess that's his idea of a joke. I I don't know, dude. This guy. Um, but then he said, that's why we're all here. Phil. So thanks, Phil. Um, it's always... Something when you write into the show. (laughs) Mean comment towards Phil. Um, So before we move on from Smash Brothers, I do want to bring up that the trailer also revealed that the Picador Lucha costume will be available to play as Pikachu. And I'm very excited for that. That is cool. So obviously, yeah, it's big news. Important news. Because like that's going to get me playing Pikachu. Yeah, uh, speaking of uh, of that the trailer, how good was that yeah. story trailer? Uh, where literally just every character gets iced. I, I think the most heartbreaking one was the villager, the duck hunt dog, and the Wii Fit trainer, like not even doing anything, just being like, 
This is it. <laughs> We're gonna die. We fake just literally posed <laughs> and died. I think my favorite one was definitely Snake just being in the box. Hey, it might have just been the box. Snake could have been out sneaking to kill Waluigi from inside the thing. Fair. Uh, but yeah, I have to say, Sakurai showing his, like, uh, bias towards his favorite son, Kirby, was my fucking favorite <laughs> thing ever. It's like, Kirby's the best boy, and if there was one character I was gonna choose to save the entire Smash canon, it would Did be Kirby. Did we see Mario get, uh, get sucked up? Yeah, he's, uh, he's the first one, actually. Yeah, they, his eyes go, and then when they show Kirby, like, fighting somebody for the first time it's it's the evil like okay, ghost yeah, i just couldn't remember seeing him get sucked all right that was a sad yeah it was a bummer but yeah, i loved it. it was dude i think like the the i loved it too i think the best part was that that thing where sonic like leans back to grab pikachu and then they both just die it's like oh my god it was like 90s kids everywhere just watched a part of their soul get crushed <laughs> yeah Oh, but it was a great trailer. It got it got me really excited for that story mode. It looks good. I'm excited. Yeah. It's it Smash. Awesome. I'm so happy to see Sean finally like have fully turned the corner. You know, like all of his reservations yep. are just gone now. He's Sean, just like, I'm like, so excited. I already like have a switch. The, Will you be with us on opening night? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. no. I mean, like, oh, yeah. like Yo, online should... at midnight. Yeah. I was gonna say we should do that. Yo, if we could get together physically, that'd <laughs> be would even be, better. That's the middle I'd of be my finals, so down. So I will not be physically available. Ah, fine. Yeah. Maybe the week after when your finals yeah, are done. Some time to unlock characters. Yeah. By that point, like once, like we should yeah, totally Jesus, do that. I just though. realized we're watching with ten percent of the roster unlocked. That's how wild is that? You start with like nine character or eight characters. Like, what are you doing? It's crazy. I'm like so excited. There's gonna be so much to do. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait to play this goddamn game with you guys. It's gonna be so fun. But that's not all we have to talk about today. Moving into our meat and potatoes this week because this is just a week yeah. made for Sean. Yeah. We've got BlizzCon 2018. Uh you know Here we I go, don't man. Get excited what a week for BlizzCon. Uh <laughs> But Diablo Immortal uh, really did it for you. <laughs> Sean is the, the that one upvote on that video. <laughs> as a Blizzard fan for uh, for half my life, over half my life at this point, um, BlizzCon for me has lost its luster. I mostly just tune in to see what changes are coming to WoW and now HOTS. Um, and this, well, yeah. I don't want to steal your thunder. You can no, no, it. go ahead, man. Um, You're the Blizz boy. You can you can lead the discussion here. Uh, this was the most disappointing year of BlizzCon ever. Wow, ever, ever, yeah. Wow, what? Man, uh, do we have enough time? Uh, <laughs> Try to keep it to about uh, two hours. <laughs> so. Uh, first of all, I thought that the opening sort of, you know, they always do like that keynote conversation and everything, and they bring yeah. on the devs and everything. Um, that just didn't it didn't land this year, man. Um, it didn't land. Uh, Jay Allen Brack, I believe, is his name. Um, he's now 
the 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 main man over at Blizzard, and uh, he doesn't have the same presence that Mike Morhaime did, um, and that was definitely something that set a bad tone. I mean, he's a nice guy and everything, and he's been involved with World of Warcraft for many years, but um, he just didn't have that same stage presence. Didn't feel for him what I feel for Mike, so that wasn't great. Um, and then you know we we they talked about the WoW stuff that's to come, and it was nothing. It was it was eight point one is the new that's the new patch, uh, that's coming in December. That's great. We did get a release date for that, but uh, the raid is not attached to that, right? So the raid is is actually coming out in January or February oh, twenty nineteen. That now, sucks. I want to clarify by saying I actually am very happy with that. Oh really? Yeah. The reason that I'm happy with that is because I have been going hard for the last. Two months since uh, September, um, uh, and uh, I I want a break. So we're about to kill Gahoon, the last boss in Old Deer, and I want time to not have to be raiding, progression raiding, and the fact that we're gonna get that for at least a few months is a blessing for me. Uh, but what it does mean is that WoW's not really gonna have much new content in the intervening time, and that's gonna make the game stale. And when the game is stale, people quit. So um, that's kind of frustrating. And then what they talked about for 8.1 and what they talked about for 8.2 wasn't that interesting. We had already seen the new raid. We already know what's going to be in the new raid. There was nothing really uh, nothing really dynamic there. Uh, God, they that sh- sucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of people that I know of, uh, friends of mine and whatnot, shared that same sort of sentiment. Uh, so, you know, I mean, the, the reaction, the reaction to this conference seemed overwhelmingly negative from an outsider's perspective as somebody that doesn't really care about any of Blizzard's games, like aside from the hype around like the new character coming to Heroes of the Storm, uh, Orphea, and then the new, uh, hero coming to Overwatch Ash, uh, I didn't feel like there was anything that seemed positive. Oh, well, well, well Warcraft 3's remaster people were excited about well, too. People are also excited about Classic WoW. Now, I wanted to I wanted to talk about Classic WoW because they they made some critical announcements with that. One is that it's going to be available in the summer of 2019, which so is way sooner than we thought. Way sooner than I thought. I thought we wouldn't see it until 2020. Yeah, um, I remember when it first came out, you were like, this is years away. Yeah. Like, they're saying this to shut people up, not because it's imminent. Yeah. So that's really surprising. completely wrong. Um, and I'm, great, good, good. I'm glad to be wrong. Uh, so the other thing is that Classic WoW will be free for anyone who has an active subscription to current World of Warcraft. Smart. Which That's a is smart move. Something that I also didn't see coming. I thought that, that would be a separate subscription. That is a hugely smart move because it will inevitably increase the declining subscriptions to World of Warcraft. So when they go to their uh, meetings with the investors, they can say, hey, subs are up. And the reason why is classic WoW. And you got to think at least some percentage of those players that return might check out the new stuff. Yeah, probably. Probably. Some of them. Yeah. And if you can get, if you can convert even... What, 5, 10% of the people that show up to dip their toes in? That's numbers. That matters. Yeah, because I think a lot of lapsed fans over years, over a decade, 
will come back for Classic WoW. So I think that's great. And then you mentioned the remaster of Warcraft 3. Which is very cool. I'm into that quite a bit. I think it looked amazing, man. I, yeah, I am it looks so gorgeous. happy. That trailer was like, I was like, this looks all right. One million percent I'll be playing that. And uh, that's one that definitely, like, like, I've never played any of the OG Warcraft games. Like, I love a good RTS, and we don't get those anymore. So, like, the fact that we're like, oh, we're remastering Command and Conquer, Conquer in Warcraft 3, I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Andy, are you interested in that at all? Um, I have been... I want to want to play uh, an RTS. Yeah. You've tried to get into them several I, times. I've tried so hard. They're a genre that seems like I should like them, but I just don't or can't. And it's like, I don't know what it is. I, like, I just bounce off RTS games. Um, maybe, you know, I'll check out if they do the, the thing they did with StarCraft, where StarCraft 3... Or not StarCraft 3. Wow. Uh, the original StarCraft had the remaster, and you can just get the original one for free. Or StarCraft 2, I think, is also free to play now. Yeah. But, like, maybe I'll check it out, but I doubt I will seriously put time into it. RDS games and me Fair are just enough. not friends. Uh, I was a big player of WarCraft 3 back in the day, so I'll certainly spend some time with this. I don't know how much time, but... Uh, Regardless of me personally, I think this is a fantastic thing for Blizzard because that game is is a big reason why Blizzard is on the map, and uh, yeah, you gotta celebrate that. And if you, it's always oh, yeah. to me felt like a really notable omission from Battle.net's offerings that it's like I can play the original StarCraft, but we can't play the game that made World of Warcraft. You know, like that's yeah. ridiculous. Like Warcraft is their fucking lineage; that's their heritage. You know, like. I'm I'm glad to see it remastered for the modern era. I think it's, or I wonder if it's going to also lead to a remaster of the original Dota, which, as I recall, was a Warcraft. It was a Warcraft three mod, yeah. So I, I I bet you that you'll see somebody, somebody will like make a shiny new. Yeah, Dota. which would be cool as well. Uh, so then we also got, uh, like I said before, Orphea is coming to Heroes of the Storm. Sean, you want to chime in on that one? Are you excited for her at all? Yeah, so um, am I excited for her? Yes, I am. What's her deal? Where's she from? Uh, that's the thing. She's actually a brand new character. She's not. What? Yeah, she's not from anything. Really? Now, yeah. Now, that's interesting. A lot of people are very unhappy with that, actually. Why? Um, because people feel that Heroes of the Storm, and this is what it was in its original conception, is supposed to be a game that is celebrating... It's like Smash. It's supposed to be the game, a game that's celebrating the history of Blizzard. And so why would you introduce a new character to a game that's supposed to celebrate the past? Um, and I, I get it. And there's plenty of characters that are missing from HOTS that are very relevant. So why waste development time with a new character? But... Um, Hots has been trying to go in a direction of establishing its own storyline, and it does have characters that exist only in Hots who are not playable, but that do. Uh, I mean, they don't impact anything in the battles, but there's a, there's a clear clearly a story that's going on there, comic books and all that. So it was only a matter of time before we got a new character. It was bound to happen. She looks overpowered. I'll tell you that. Uh, I don't know how they're going to balance her, but. Uh, yeah, people were not happy. At least the people that I that I saw. 
Yeah. That's surprising to me because, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I get what you're saying, but I feel like in this specific instance, the idea of, like, well, it's about, excuse me, it's about, like, celebrating Blizzard's history. I feel like Heroes of the Storm has been around long enough that it is part of Blizzard's history and it wanting to add something new to the mix. Like, I think that's kind of cool, you know? And, like, I, I feel like as long as they don't move away from having it mostly be Blizzard proper characters, then I don't see why that's a problem. There's so many fucking characters in that game already. You know, it's like, and all the people that you want, they'll probably come, you know, they have to, they're going to run out of characters eventually, they're going to check all these boxes, you know, like, it's going to happen. Yeah, I think it would have softened the blow had they shown off another character as well. Typically at BlizzCon, they show like two, three characters, this time they only showed the one. Um, they did show the janitor Leoric skin, though. They showed the janitor Leoric skin, <laughs> which, which is, is hilarious. Hotly requested so, item on the Hots Reddit. So this is a direct reaction to that, and uh, of course so, the Reddit was very happy. Sean, yeah. I do have a question about um, if they'd released her side by side with someone else. What if they'd revealed her like side by side as an Overwatch hero and a Hots hero? Like, instead of Morphea, oh. it was going to be in HOTS. It was, here's Ash, she's in Overwatch. Also, she's coming to HOTS cool. right So, away. the HOTS community has a burning hatred for Overwatch characters. So, that would have actually pissed people off even more. Really? Why does the HOTS community The reason that the HOTS community hates Overwatch is because Overwatch characters, uh, by their nature of being from FPS games, they operate in a way that feels unfair with every other character. For example, Genji and Tracer can attack while moving, and no other characters cannot do that. So they have an inherent advantage. And almost all of the Overwatch characters are overpowered right now, and if they're not right now, at some point, they have been. Yeah, I remember when I played HOTS... Uh, the like the period where I was playing it consistently, like Lucio was one of my mains, and he was way OP, and then got nerfed. Yep, yep. Uh, Genji, Tracer, they're problems that are never going to go away. Genji cannot be. Uh, you can't nerf him enough. The only way to stop him from being OP is to delete him, and that's why. Yeah. So it sounds like you feel the same way about Genji and Hans that I feel about Genji and Overwatch. <laughs> there you go. Somewhere, Peggy. (laughs) Um, But otherwise, man, there wasn't a ton to talk about from HOTS. Uh, A lot of the other stuff is stuff that matters only if you actually play the game. So uh, we can can move on from that. Cool. All right. So speaking of of Overwatch, we also got the reveal of the 29th Overwatch hero, Ash, who, uh, I mean, I think if, if Thompson was here... And he's not an Overwatch guy. This is like waifu material for him. She's got red eyes and like, you know, super white hair. Seems pretty cool. For him, for me. Are you kidding? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. She's gorgeous. (laughs) Um, I I love the character design in Overwatch in general. I'm all about Bob. He's in the game too, right? Like, isn't that what they said? I I think he's okay. Yeah. 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 Bob's the man. Yeah, Bob was the high point of that trailer for me. Yeah, and, and I you know, those those trailers are all excellent, you know? Like, there's no, there's not been a bad one among them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she seems like a great addition. I'm not really playing Overwatch anymore, but she looks cool. Yeah, people were very excited about her inclusion, and um, I don't play Overwatch at all. But um, the one thing that I, that I did want to mention... Uh, just on the subject of Overwatch, is just how much better 
their presentation was than almost all the other ones. Um, and the reason why I say that is is just because uh, what's the good Jeff Kaplan, right? Uh, Je- Jeff Kaplan, yeah, gets yeah, on he's stage. the Overwatch guy. He's got so much energy. He's so funny, and they have this bomb trailer, and they get out. You know, um, and and that's what you want. You know that you want that. Uh, from a, from a presenter, we talk about this at E three all the time, where you get these people up there that have no personality, no charisma. They yap yap yap. You're bored, and then finally they show you the thing that you actually want to see. So, or Diablo. Oh, fuck this. Yeah, dude, let's do it. So obviously, the biggest news this week was the announcement of Diablo uh, Immortal, right? Yeah. Yeah, Immortal. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, that's why sorry. I wanted to just make sure because I was like, I'm looking at it and it says Immortal, but yeah, Diablo Immortal is the uh, the new mobile game that is in the Diablo franchise, and boy, boy, were people upset about this one. Holy shit! I like this makes the that Command and Conquer announcement look like nothing compared to this. People were on fire. I didn't even see that the game had been announced, and I saw the backlash about it. <laughs> yeah, um, so there's there's relevant context. Now, Diablo fans have felt underserved for quite some time. Uh, Diablo 3 is, uh, I, I don't know if I would say it's a dead game, but it's it's on life support at the very least. Um, it's coming to Switch. Which is cool. Uh, yeah. But, like, you probably played it already, you know? So... Right, so yeah. they they said earlier in the year that there were multiple Diablo projects in the works as a way of assuaging fans' concerns. Uh, what they also said was not to expect Diablo 4 announcements at BlizzCon, which is fair, because Diablo fans ravenously want that fourth installment, and Blizzard didn't want this situation, what actually occurred, to happen, because people were expecting to see something that they weren't going to see. What Blizzard obviously didn't account for was the fact that there is nobody who loves Diablo that wants a mobile game. Because they're PC gamers. It's one and one. It doesn't make sense why they'd be flabbergasted by the the fan reaction. Um, So, can I go on record and say I think everyone here is being dumb? Like... Of course it was going to go over like a lead balloon. But also, like, (laughs) Jesus Christ, the backlash has been... It's like, of course, a publicly traded corporation is going to take one of its big, you know, valuable properties and put a mobile game into it because that's where money is right now. Like, and yeah, does it suck that there wasn't also like a, hey, we're doing a remaster of Diablo 2 to ease that? Yes. But... If if they're telling the truth that they're working on multiple unannounced Diablo projects, like, the fact that one of them is a mobile game and they choose to announce it is dumb, but not, like, I don't see it as a slap in the face. Yeah, that's kind of where I got a little, where it felt, like, weird for me. Because, like, I think what you're saying, Sean, is, like, it's valid, right? Like, I, I think there's a case to be made that most gamers that care about Diablo in the same way that most gamers that care about Elder Scrolls and all these other titles don't care about mobile games. But what Andy's saying is true. Mobile games make money. And a Diablo mobile game could make Blizzard a truckload of money. 
And I totally understand, like, if you're a fan of Diablo and you have that feeling of, like, well, this is, we want a real game. Like, if there is one coming, like, just don't play this one. Like, you're going to get your Diablo 4. It's going to happen, you know? And, like, it's been a while, but, like you said, they are still supporting the game to some degree. Like, there is Diablo 3 out there for you to play if you want the traditional Diablo experience. What games are you guys passionate about that are dead? What, name me one, one, one franchise. Do you think Diablo is dead, though? Yes, Diablo's dead. Okay. Like, it's it's very much, like, pe- people will play, like, this season when it starts, maybe. Uh, last year, that was a big thing where I would see a lot of people jump on for the new season. But right now, I don't see any of my friends uh, playing Diablo. I, I guess I guess that's my, my wrinkle with the reaction is I don't think of Diablo as something that's dead because it still feels like it's bopping around. Who do but... you know that plays Diablo? Not really anybody, but I don't really know anybody that plays, like, like, I know one person that plays StarCraft, and it's Thompson. I know one person that plays HOTS now, and it's you. You know, like, there are people out there. I, I guess my perception of Diablo might be a yeah, little like, I My perception of Diablo has, like, never been that it's dead, but I've also never known anyone that, like, seriously plays Diablo. I think it's... I, I, I played it a lot when it came out on consoles a couple of years ago, which was a couple of years ago, to your point. I think you guys are taking a very privileged position because this is a franchise that people care about the way you care about whatever franchise you care about. And if that franchise was dead and you were waiting for a sequel and instead of getting a sequel or a remaster, you got a mobile game uh, that was not even really developed by Blizzard. It was actually developed by NetEase, which is a Chinese company. And that the game also looks like a reskin by a NetEase game and not a Blizzard game, you might feel differently. Yeah, you're definitely right. Because I, I, and I, I recognize that moving into this conversation. But I guess like hearing from you as like a Blizzard guy that that's the perception of the series by Diablo fans. It makes more sense at why people came down on it so hard. I guess like. Like, looking at the Command and Conquer announcement, that was something where, even as an outsider, I was like, this is a fucking, this is a dick move, you know? Whereas, I I was surprised by the visceral fucking response to this. But, with that context, I guess I can see where they're coming from. Also, keep in mind, Diablo 3 came out in 2012. That's yeah, a, a really game. long time ago. And I understand point. that games like that tend to have long lifespans. But, in the modern era... That's that's just too long. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's funny though because what was the difference between Diablo two and Diablo three was like a decade, right, or something like that. Right. Yeah. Different time. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I mean that's always been Blizzard's problem though. They take they take a million fucking years to put out sequels. StarCraft two is the same way. I remember a friend of mine uh, pre-ordered StarCraft two when they first announced it, and he literally had the receipt ten years later when he went to pick up his copy. <laughs> <laughs> it was over 10 years it was like 13 or something like it's, it's wild it's wild uh but just real quick uh i, I there's something you might have seen if you guys are online but uh did you guys see the downvote disproportionate uh, or the disproportion of likes to dislikes on the youtube yes. videos for this no they're wild sean so for the gameplay trailer 8.6k upvotes, 164k downvotes. Ouch. And then 
for the the cinematic trailer, 13k upvotes, 380k downvotes. Wild. I, I, I go ahead. Yeah. I actually, you know, every, everything that I've just said, uh, withstanding, I actually think this game looks good. Um, and I might even play it, but I one million percent understand why Diablo fan. If they did this for any franchise that I care about that was dead, I'd be livid. If they came out with a Star Fox mobile game instead of a Star Fox <laughs> yeah, right, Switch sure. game, I would throw my Switch. So I, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I know, like, when you really love a franchise and you feel like it's being poorly managed, this is something that comes across and just feels tone deaf, you know? Did you guys see the clip that Blizzard keeps deleting of the panel where they where they kind of, like, were doing QA, Q, Q&A, rather, and uh, someone asked, oh, is this a late April Fool's joke or something? <laughs> and um, then... then then uh, the guy, I forget his name, but he was the presenter for Diablo 3, or for Diablo Immortal, who yeah. seemed so nervous the entire time, by the way. Um, he's like, how many people here, how many people here of you guys have phones? Like, do you guys not have phones? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I didn't see that, but Andy yeah. mentioned that off mic, and I was just like, ooh, this is why you have PR people. <laughs> he, was he not a PR guy? Is he like a dev? Yeah. He's a dev. Yeah, oh, that's why you gotta, yeah. Yeah, and like, that's not, that's not me being shitty about devs. It's like, this is why PR people exist. It's literally their entire purpose. And like, that's why you don't make the Vincent game. from Respawn Entertainment announce his Star Wars project to a microphone. In the crowd? In the, yeah. It's, yeah. What are people thinking? It's like, this is why you hire PR reps. Like, and I'm not saying you can't ever have somebody who's a dev do it. Like, you have, like, a Todd Howard or somebody like that. Or, or like you said, Jeff, like, from Overwatch. He's great. But if they're not great or they don't have that experience, don't put them on stage at BlizzCon where you're announcing a fucking thing that you should know is going to be divisive. At the very least. Right? Like, even if they didn't assume it was going to be, as Andy said, go over, like, a lead balloon, they should have assumed that people were going to be upset about this. Because, like, that was something that you think about... Uh, not to get too far off topic, but the Bethesda presentation at E3, when they announced a bunch of mobile games, and what did they do? Don't worry, we know you don't want the mobile game, here's the announcement of Elder Scrolls 6 and Starlink. And that's what, that was what the narrative was. We walked away and everybody was like, oh, I'm excited for that. You know? They should have just said, hey, you know what's coming soon? Diablo 4. Blizzard fans will wait. They'll wait. They'll be mad about it, but they did it. They waited for StarCraft 2. What I I mean is, what if they're they're not not making it? Well, then, then 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 that's a whole other barrel of worms. Can of worms, barrel of fish. Right in Something. and tell us. That's a different problem. <laughs> that's a whole other barrel of demons. But uh, I I just my my last thoughts on BlizzCon. Um, I've never seen Blizzard get hate like that before, and it's weird because they're such a beloved company. Yeah, for the most part, so it was sad uh, as a fan of theirs, but it was also a reminder that even the Titans can fall, and even they can be wrong from time to time. Uh, I understand that you know maybe 
Maybe the Diablo announcement isn't as bad as everybody's making it out to be. But if you care about that franchise, it's pretty bad. And it's shocking that Blizzard didn't realize that if that was the only thing they had to say about Diablo this year, that maybe they shouldn't have said anything about Diablo this year at BlizzCon. They've done it before. I agree with that. Um, and as far as everything else goes... Really nothing special, nothing to write home about. This was very much a a ho-hum BlizzCon, especially in light of the fact that Blizzard very sneakily upped the price of the virtual ticket to $50 and removed what they typically include, which is a mount in World of Warcraft and a pet. So there were no bonuses to buying the virtual ticket um, in that regard, and it was more expensive than ever. And like that, that to me just feels like it just feels like bad management of the event, you know? Because, like, I think if you look at these announcements just objectively, this is way smaller than our last BlizzCon conversation. Yep. So I think it's clear that they didn't have as much this year, which is fine. Like, I think if you're somebody who pays attention to E3, you have weak years. Just it happens, you know? That's all. Don't close out <laughs> on a mobile game. Or, again, don't, don't have a Diablo section. Or, like, honestly, like... Fucking lie. Like, and not lie, like, say that shit that isn't real is coming, but, like, let's be real. Bethesda announcing Elder Scrolls 6 at E3 was smoke and mirrors. That's a game that's not coming out for five to six more years. The Starlink game's definitely going to come out before it, and we still didn't even see anything about that. That was nothing. That was a nothing announcement that existed to stoke flames and get hype going. They could have done that here. They could have been like, hey, the next Diablo, it's it's on the way. And if it's not, it should be. And, like, that's what you needed here. And if you don't have that shit, fucking, you should have pulled a PSX like they did last year and have smaller announcements, have more community-focused events, give away more shit, make the tickets cheaper, like, do something that makes it feel like less of a burn. Because if I was a Blizzard fan that spent 50 bucks to watch this event, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's kind of weak. Imagine being a Diablo a Diablo fan who, who spent money to go to BlizzCon. Because they were like, oh, we have the future of Diablo panel. And it's like, this is the future? They didn't even mention the cartoon. You know, they didn't mention, like, anything except for this mobile game, which they should have known was going to be a bomb. Just, I don't know, man. That's one of those things where, like, I know it's really easy as us, as pundits, to sit here and play, like, armchair quarterback. But I don't know, dude. I don't know how you how you make that presentation and be like, I feel confident that our fans will be happy to have spent 50 bucks to watch this presentation. It's like, I don't know, dude. I'm not even a Blizzard guy, and I can tell you that. If I had seen this in advance, I would have been like... <laughs> My last thought for this episode is that major companies should just hire the video game pals to do their PR because, Jesus, how could they not see this going over poorly? Yeah, Seriously. please, give us a call. I guarantee we're cheaper than anybody else. <laughs> not cheaper than free which is what they went with i guess so so if you guys want to let us know what your thoughts were about blizzcon 2018 the smash bros direct or anything else we talked about this week remember you can hit us up at the video game pals at gmail.com follow at the comics pals wherever social media is sold and if you want to help out the show you can give us a like on your platform of choice if you're over on youtube make sure you like the video subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and click that notification bell so that you know when these daily videos go live uh, before we bounce out of here, we're going to do some plugs. Sean, why don't you let the kids know where they can find you? Awesome. So you can hear me on The Comics Pals, which drops the day before this. Um, 
This week we actually reviewed a, uh, a couple comics. We reviewed Fearscape number two. Uh, and we reviewed Heroes in Crisis number two, which is from DC Comics. That's the latest event they've got going on. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, you're going to want to jump over there and check that out. Um, and as for me personally, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox. Let's talk about Blizzard. Uh, let's 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 cry together about BlizzCon. I'm actually <laughs> not going to cry about BlizzCon, but if you do want to cry, then cry my shoulder. Sean's got a broad, uh, plated shoulder for you to cry on. That's right. <laughs> Andy? Uh, so you can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions if you want to be confused about why gamers and Backlash go together so well. Chocolate <laughs> and peanut butter. Um, you can hit me up. Uh, you can also hit me up to talk about pirates. I say that every week and nobody ever does it. It makes me sad. Shocking. One week, it'll happen. Maybe it's because pirates actually suck. Maybe it's because you're just a bully and you have them scared that if I make a new friend, you'll put them on blast. <laughs> that might be true if I check Twitter. <laughs> Sean's like, go ahead, at me. I won't even listen. Oh, no. <laughs> As for me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Come talk to me about anything we discussed this week. I'm hype about it. Talk to me about, uh, oh, geez, what is, dude, I cannot remember the name of Undertale's what is it? What's the anagram? Deltarune. Deltarune. I can't remember it. If you want to talk to me about Deltarune or Red Dead Redemption 2, that's what I'm most excited to talk about this week. So come hit me up about that stuff. Or about video game preservation, you guys. Very important issue to me, and I'm excited about it. Uh, and then just to throw out some plugs for some other stuff, I'm over on LootPots.com. I'm doing Nintendo news reviews and hosting their weekly Nintendo podcast over there. So if you want to hear uh, more Smash Bros. discussion with me and a couple of fine British boys, you can go check out that program. Uh, episode 6, it was a good one. And um, and then we've got a ton of really cool content out there right now that I'm going to plug for you guys. So remember to check out our Castlevania 2 review, uh, which should be up right now. You can go check that out and get a little bit of thoughts uh, from number one Castlevania fan on the internet, Robert Thompson. Uh, then you can also check out our Daredevil Season 3 review with me and Sean and some of the other comics pals. If you're a fan of Daredevil and you haven't checked out Season 3, let me highly recommend it to you. And hope that you'll go and check out that review uh, we thought very highly of this season, so hopefully uh, you'll you'll check it out and uh, come listen to that discussion. And you can also check out our Infidel Book Club, which every month the Comics Pals will check out a new comic book, read it, and uh, review it together. So if you want to read along with us, you can go check out Infidel and then listen to that episode. Or if you want to get it on next month's book club, you can go check out um, Pride, of Pride, Pride of Baghdad right, by Brian K. Vaughn. So uh, go check that out. It'll be up in a few weeks. So you have uh, about three, three, three weeks to read it. Last so, Friday of November. Perfect. So I hope you'll join us for that as well. And until then, we are the Video Game Pals signing off. We'll catch you all next week, ladies. Bye, everybody. One smash. <laughs>